Let's turn straight away to Revelation chapter 3. Last week I, I shared about one of the, the elements, the manifestations of God's favor is how he puts a blessing upon us that anoints us, enables us, releases us to get things done. And um, how many remember what was the quote we spoke about last week? Anyone remember the, who it was? Benjamin. Well done. Benjamin, the coat of Benjamin. And um, one of the things that God said about Benjamin, he says, you're beloved of the Lord. Hey, Benjamin, you've got the, the love of God is resting on you. And that's a, um, and the, the, the revelation I got was that's not just saying, oh, for us to say I'm loved of God and saying that you're loved of God is a powerful proclamation. And there's so many scriptures and so many places where we can see how that's been manifest. Manifest, and you go back to listen last week's message to hear some of those ways. But often, when God says something, our response is not just to echo what He said, but to speak into our life through the lens of what He said. And let me just explain that. Say it again. Maybe when God says something to us, we're not just to echo what He says and say just the same thing. We are often to speak through the filter of that into our life and the circumstances. So we take what he said, but then it has a manifestation and application that goes beyond just echoing the words. Let me give you an example of, of where this in the scripture, in the book of Hebrews, I've said Revelation 3, you'll need to keep a finger in Revelation 3 and just go back to Hebrews chapter 13, not far. Hebrews 13 says that um, God makes this declaration. For he himself has said, this is from verse 5, God himself has said, so God has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So what has God said? I won't leave you, I won't forsake you. So turn to the person next to you and say, have you got that? He won't leave you, he won't forsake you. Just make sure, that, make sure they understand that. Make, make sure that is what God has said. So that we may confidently say, so what has God said? He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. So that we can confidently say, and, what, and if using my natural thinking, I would imagine the next line and says, so we may confidently say, he will not leave us. He will not forsake us. He said it so we can confidently say it. But it doesn't say that. It says, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. So God says, I want you to understand the fact that I'm with you, but then speak in the confidence of that by not just saying, oh, you're with me, but saying, well, what does that mean to me? What does that, what's the manifestation? How does it help me? You know, um, has, has anyone ever, you know, been watching something on television or something and you're like, no, that's not true. You, you get out of the chair and start to, you know, as if they can hear you. Has anyone ever done that? Yeah, you know. There's a lot of umpires that were probably glad they cannot hear through the screen. You know, like, but I don't get, I, actually, I don't yell at the umpires very much, but I do yell sometimes at, at things are non-faith. Um, you know, I, I remember watching a game show once when, it, you know, it was, one, it was one where you had to guess a phrase, and it was, um, and the phrase was, money is the root of all evil. And I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah, they can't hear, but I, you know, made me feel better. Because that's not what the Bible says. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. Oh, how dare they get it wrong? 
Um, but I remember once hearing a, um, a, you know, a preacher on television saying, you know, the greatest promise we know is, you know, he's talking to another Christian who's going through really been through hard times. He said, the greatest thing we can know that God is with us. The greatest thing we can know that God is with us. The greatest thing we can know that God is with us. And I'm like, no, the greatest thing is because he's with us that he's our helper. Because you don't expect him to do anything. You're just going through problem after problem after problem and saying, well, God's with me. God's with me. As if he's some sort of silent partner just there. We're not told to confidently say he's with us. We're confidently to say, he's my helper. He's not just here. He's here to help. I'm not just got him to, to know that he's around. I, he said that because he's with me, I can confidently say, he's my helper. So I don't just confidently say God loves me. But even though that's true, I don't just say he loves me. I say, because he loves me, this is what I say about my situation. He gives me favor. He gives me opportunities. He gives me doors to open. And in, even if you go back to Deuteronomy, you won't do it now, but you go back to Deuteronomy 33, I think, where it says, um, God says, you know, Benjamin, the beloved of the Lord, he says, I'm his shield. In other words, I, I just don't love him. I protect him. And then you go back to Genesis 49 where, where um, Jacob is speaking the blessing over his sons and he says, hey, Benjamin, you're a wolf that like tears your enemies apart. Yeah, that's the kind of love I want of God, the time that God loves me so that I can rip the enemies apart. Not just sort of feel warm and gooey and sort of say, hey, things are terrible and the, and the enemy's all around me, but at least I know you're here. He says, I don't want to just be here. I want to be working. One of my favorite scriptures, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout all the earth, searching for those whose heart is wholeheartedly his, so he can show himself strong on their behalf. He has 2 Chronicles 16. He, it's his, it's his, that's what he's looking for, looking, looking, looking. Who's, and, yeah, and, I, and I think he found it like in the Bible when the woman with the issue of the blood was walking and pushing away through the crowd. And she was saying to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. If I can just touch him, I will be healed. If I can just do it, she was saying to herself, she was saying to herself, and she gets there and she touches. And it says, what it says, Jesus said, feeling, healing, power, go out. And he stops everyone and said, who touched me? Because somebody, somebody made the, the point of contact their faith so that God's power could flow. Hallelujah. And the day I realized that God is not looking for need, so that he can meet every need. He's looking for our faith that can release his power into our need. Hallelujah. There were, I don't know how many hundreds of people were sick in that day that Jesus bumped into. It says that the word there that they, he says when he was in a crowd that was it's like suffocating, the word is, is literally squeezed. It's the word they use for when they're making grapes, you know, they're making wine, sorry, and they're squeezing grapes. I, I've been in crowds like that. It's not pleasant. You know, I... I you know, I've come out of a football game once and, um, and there was a, a, something happened and the a gates were blocked and everyone was coming out expecting to be released and they couldn't. And I'm talking 30, 40 minutes. And but the crowd just keeps moving forward one inch at a time. And it gets actually, it gets dangerous. 
because all that pressure just comes and there's people who can't get out. There's concrete walls and there's, you know, so you squeeze. And imagine in that situation, you're going through that, you're walking through it. If anyone turned around and said, who touched me? That's a, that's a weird question, isn't it? <laughs> like we all, they've all been touching you. He said, no, 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 no. Who? And they'll know who it is because it's not just who touched me. It's, and the woman with the issue goes, oh, he meant me. Because Jesus and her were the only ones that knew something in the God, power of God had got out. And I, I just, when I realize that God is not saying, I'm just needing the biggest need. No, he's saying, I just need people whose heart can be mine and wholeheartedly believing in me. So we're not just saying God loves us. We say, because he loves us, now I speak that into my circumstances. I declare, because his love is on us, we are highly favored. And highly favored is not a position just to be sat back and say, oh, I can put that on my fridge or my bumper sticker or whatever. It means, no, it's empowerment to get things done. It's empowerment to, to see the work of the Lord get done. It's empowerment to see us break through. It's empowerment when we're not the, 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 the biggest and the greatest. We say we're in favored. We don't have to be the biggest and greatest. We just have to be favored and God will get things done. And in Revelation 3, there's a church that God spoke to because he spoke to the seven churches and he gave them all a, a, an update on where they're at and what they need to do and, and how they're, they're progressing. And um, this is a... This is a um, the church at Philadelphia always has a really special place in my heart because of something God did that was prophetic in its nature. Um, many years ago, we had the privilege of having Pastor George Pearsons um, speak and preach in our church. We, we'd been hosting meetings and helping run meetings for Pastor George and Terry Pearsons from Eagle Mountain Church um, here in Melbourne. And um, on the Sunday, they weren't holding, the meetings had finished, but on Sunday, they stayed in Melbourne and Pastor Terry went to preach at one church. Pastor George came to our church, and he preached. And um, and I'd, I'd had I'd, be, I'd just mentioned to Pastor George about um, something about Revelation three. I said, you know, the, the the seven churches. We just had a little conversation. It wasn't very long. Anyway, Saturday night. It's late. It's like after midnight. Everyone else has gone to bed, but I, I'm I'm just up. You know, like my spirit's still wired. You know. <laughs> And I'm reading the Bible, and I just felt to go through and read the, 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 the message to the seven churches in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And I was reading it out of the Phillips translation, which is unusual. It says, I just happen to have that translation available, and I was reading it. And, um, and so I'm just sitting there reading. And, and, but you know, it's, it's, I'm very aware of the presence of God, just reading, and I'm reading. And when I got to, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, to the messenger, to the pastor of the Church of Philadelphia, it says something, it was like a light just went off as if this is your message. This is for you. This is for you. This, this message is for you and your church. And I'm like, it was like just something. It was like, oh, my spirit. So I'm reading it and rereading it. And then it's like, this is a really good, and then I'm like, um, I'm playing games. You know, because not all the churches got good, ref, um, good reports from God. Some of them were mixed. Some of them were like, repent. Some of them, if you don't repent, I'm going to remove your, your lampstand. You know, some of them got some pretty tough. Some was like, you're doing good, but there's some amongst you that are not doing so well. You know, you got the church at Laodicea. I, I, I just thank God I, I didn't get the, you're like that church in Laodicea. Oh, man, because he's like, if you don't, you know, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth if you don't turn things around. So, 
The church at Philadelphia was the only church that got a good report all throughout. No, no conditions, just a good report. There was some stuff happening in their church, but he said, that's not to do with you. So I'm like, oh, am I imagining this? You know, like, I'm just projecting which one. We're obviously the Philadelphia church, you know. Cause I know where we get the good report. And so, but it was like, it was such a strong sense in my spirit. I'm like, what do I do? So this would be about 1.30 in the morning, 1 o'clock, 1.30 in the morning. By the time I sort that through, go to bed. But I, so I get up, we come to church. I don't tell anybody. I haven't even told Christine. You know, don't, no, not even just no opportunity. We're up. We've got to get to church, get everything sorted for Pastor George coming. And during his message, he stopped and he looked at me. I remember he looked at in the front row. He says, you know what? He says, Pastor, you're like that church in Philadelphia. He said, you're just like that church in Philadelphia. And I thought, oh, he does not know what he's just going to say. He just said, he said, you know, because he was saying um, they got a good report. And he said, you're just like that church in Philadelphia. But the fact that he mentioned, you know, and I'm like, so I have always really just gone back to the church at Philadelphia and lent in to the blessings and the coat there because I'm saying that's, that's something even prophetically elevated for us. So I encourage you to say that because we're like, he didn't say you're like the pastor at Philadelphia. He said you're like the church at Philadelphia. And one of the things about this church is that um, they weren't... They weren't a big, strong church. You know, the church at Ephesus, big church. Timothy's the pastor. You know, they've got things happening. It's a big center for what God is doing. Um, Philadelphia has this reference to them. He said, um, verse 8 actually says, um, you have little power. I'm like, I don't want that as my um, testimony. Hey, we're the church of little power. Put that above. No one does the church of little power. Come to the church of little power. No, where's the church of big power? Rather go to them. And um, and, and and it's well, dunamis, but but what the reference is is what it, what it says is um, the meaning here is you're the church that's not highly resourced. You're not you don't you know you're not one of the big churches. You're not one of the churches that's got lots behind it. You're a, you're a church that's just, and I'm like, yeah, okay, we, we, we're not, you know, we're not sitting in a position, we've got God's provision, but in the natural, we're a, we're a, we're a Philadelphia church, I get it. So that, um, but there's a key here that I was thinking about when with Benjamin, because it's like, Benjamin, I love you, and this is why God's working his favor on you. The church at Philadelphia was told to lean into the fact that God loves us. So it says in verse 9, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Maybe we'll talk about that in a second. Behold, I will make them come and bow down at your feet and to know this. What are they? What he says, what I want them to know, that I love you. I've, I've put my love on you and that's why you are able to do what you do. My love is on you. He says, I want others to know that you're loved. God wants the manifestation of his love to be so strong in our lives that it becomes a point of our testimony. We are so loved of God that his favor works in us and is seen. 
and even those that reject them because what they had was the situation they'd been kicked out of the synagogue because it's, you know, they're still Jews but the synagogue has rejected them and, and Jesus is saying, and, and I was always confused, I always thought that a, um, you know, a Jew was just a Jew. You, know, you, you don't get a choice. You're born as a Jew. It's just who you are. It's, you know, if, you, if you've got the right heritage, you're a Jew. So you can't say that you're a Jew and, not, and actually be lying because it's, well, you either are or aren't. And, um, but Paul points out, and you can go back to Romans 2 and fix back, I think, Deuteronomy 30. I don't want to take time in it. But um, in the sense that God says, you know what a true Jew is? Is someone who is circumcised of the heart not just circumcised of the body. He says, someone who's actually made a connection with me in the heart. not just. So he says, people who say they're Jews, but they're only physical, he says he doesn't see them as real Jews. Now, I'm not getting into what's a real Jew, Israel, and all that. Don't take it sideways. I'm just saying, why would God say this? Because God's saying, these people say they are my representatives, but they are not representing me at all. This is literally what they're saying. They say they are speaking on my behalf as my children, but they're not my kids. In fact, the things they are saying, the things they are doing, is representing another kingdom, and that's the kingdom of Satan. All right? And um, did you know that... You, how many would like to learn a little Hebrew? You know, like, oh, yeah, I know a little Hebrew. Owns a tailor shop down in the Turak. <laughs> boom, boom. I know a little Greek. He runs a fish and chip shop. Yeah, those jokes were funny about 40 years ago. I've got no idea what they're doing now. Not sure that they, they've passed the test today. Anyway, I still enjoy them. Um, so I'll teach you some Hebrew. Okay, how, how would you like to learn some Hebrew? Um, hallelujah. There you go. You've just learned some Hebrew. That is actually a Hebrew word. It's not an English word. It's transliterated directly from Hebrew. There is a Hebrew word, hallelujah. Amen. You've just learnt a little bit of Hebrew. There's, there's Hebrew words that have just been transliterated. They're taken from the Hebrew language, and we don't bother bringing... You know, that doesn't work for every Hebrew word. Do you know what I mean? Like <laughs> Bethlehem, you know, how, in a house of bread. Well, we don't, you know, we, we, that's, we've got to translate that. Do you know, Bethel, house of God. We've got to translate that. But there's some words, we don't go, hallelujah, what's the English word for it? Because we just we've made that our English word. We just said Hallelujah. We'll just take the Hebrew and make it our word. Hallelujah. You know, shofar. Let's blow the shofar. That's just a Hebrew word that we understand now, and we use it as an English word. There's a lot of them. Pharisee. Pharisee is a Hebrew word that's just been translated, translated to us. Okay. What in the world am I doing? Satan. The name Satan is actually a Hebrew word. All right. It doesn't sound very Hebrew because it's. But it is. It's a Hebrew word. And it's the Hebrew word for opposition, accuser, the enemy in a legal sense. And um, in the Old Testament, is often, when it's talking about what we refer to as Satan, they call him the Satan, the accuser, the opposition, the Satan. So whenever the word Satan is used, I, I have just seen it as a, um, a name for uh, an exalted demonic, you know, an angel that fell and was separated and has become 
God's chief opponent here on the earth, not equal power, nothing equal, but he is the leader of the kingdom of darkness. And I've seen it as the name, but every time they said the name Satan, they are actually saying the word, the accuser, the, op the opponent, the one who's against them. All right? It's like that his name is opponent. And he said, and God said, the synagogue is, is become a champion of the opponent. They're against you. And so he says, I don't think they're real. God's saying, I'm not treating them like real Jews because a real Jew would not side with the opponent. He would. And so that, that's sort of the background why he's talking like that. But do you see that? He said, I want, to, I want the manifestation of my love for you to be seen in that place. And what is one of that, one of the demonstration of that is from verse 7, we'll read, from, uh, sorry, from Revelation 3, we'll read from verse 7. To the angel or the messenger of the church in Philadelphia, write this. He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know, I know your deeds. Behold, I'm going to put before you an open door which no one can shut. Because you have a little power and have kept my word and not denied my name. And I'm going to cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews, but they're not, they lie. Behold, I will make them to come and bow down at your feet and to know that I have loved you. The manifestation of his love for us and his favor manifestation is, he says, I, I'm the one who has authority to open doors and to shut doors. And I'm going to open doors on your behalf and man won't be able to stop you. Even though you're small in number, even though you're limited in resources, he says, I'm the one that opens the doors for you. I'm the one that makes a way for you. It's a manifestation of the favor in our lives to say, God opens a door for me. God opens doors. Man cannot, and, and, and even if he wants to, he can't. Because God loves me, because of God's love for me, because of his favor on me, a manifestation is, I speak that. Now, I just did a little bit of research on this. I, had all, I knew that the, um, the key of David, it's a reference to um, Isaiah, a prophecy in Isaiah. I had just presumed in my readings that it was a reference to a, um, the Messiah, to the servant. I, I thought it would be a reference to the Messiah, but it's not. It's a reference to another man who's not the Messiah. Um, and it's interesting, in Isaiah 22, if we just go there, and we're going to use this to launch you into this week. Isaiah 22. Because there was two people. Um, One, his name is Shebna, not Sheba, Joe's cat. This is Shebna, different. Different in a whole lot of reasons, but Shebna. Um, and for sake, you know, so verse 15, it says, Come to this steward, to Shebna, who is in charge of the royal household. He is an official at the royal level. He is the top official in Jerusalem at this time. He is the man... And he has authority. He has authority at a royal sort of level. He, he, he makes decisions. He's, not, you know, he's at a high level. Um, don't worry about Shebna. I've given him another name, Jerky McJerkface. All right? Because 
I think you'll remember him better. Okay, Mr. Jerky, Mr. Jerky McJerkface has got all this authority, all this power, but he is consumed with just making sure he looks good and that he's looked after. In fact, he's already working his, um, he's getting a tomb built for himself that's just really magnificent, like one of the royals. He's going to be, he's, and um, Isaiah comes and prophesies to him because Jerky McJerkface comes out on his chariot and he's like, you know, he's just, just, just using everything to, to exalt himself. And Isaiah's like, you are not doing this right. You are not caring about the people. The people are going, uh, have rebelled against God, and all you're concerned about is yourself. So Jerky McJerkface, he said, God's going to roll you up like a ball and toss you out into the wilderness. Out you go. He says, I'm going to find another man. I'm going to summon my servant, Eliakim. Um, and we'll give him a name. We won't call him Jerky McJerkface. We'll call him the man of the hour. The man. Of, we'll, we'll, this man we can, we're going to raise up. This man we're going to give authority to. We're going to give him all the authority that you have, but he's not going to be the jerk that you are. He's going to be faithful and trustworthy, and we're going to, we're going to give him. And, the, and what we're going to do to him, to give him the authority, we're going to take the keys, the key of David, the keys of David. See, David talks about the royal family. It talks about the, the keys of royalty and authority of David. The royal family keys... He says, we're going to put in his hand and he will be able to open and shut and, and make those decisions because he's got the keys. Hallelujah. So God says, what's it look like? He says, well, I come with the keys of David. Remember that? Revelation, the keys of David, the authority of David, which is royal authority. It's the highest level of authority to do and open and make decisions. God says, I'm looking. See, I'm looking for people. He says, oh, Church of Philadelphia, I can put this authority in your hands. I'm coming here as the one who, who can open doors and shut doors. I want to read to you um, a um, prophetic word that Winston shared that five minutes before I got up to, to speak. And I said, can I just share that in my sermon? Because he, you know, he, he didn't know what I was preaching. I hope he hasn't been looking at my notes. But <laughs> to be honest, he couldn't have because there are no notes. <laughs> That's just I knew what God was, was going to say. So, but God has been sharing my secret sermons with others in the congregation, which is like, wow. Maybe, maybe we'll get to the day when we're all so flowing in the Spirit, I'll just get up and say, you know, <laughs> and, and get down again. <laughs> anyway, amen, amen, go home. Oh, I love the illustration. I love the, even, even know the joke, you know what I mean? I've got the whole thing, I know. You know, um, <laughs> before I read this, I've been listening to um, a message by Bill Winston that he shared at the um, recent Kenneth Copeland um, convention. And he um, has a re reference in there. He says, you know, because I think of Jerky McJerkface, you know, it's all about him, all about him. And he said, you know, when Jesus was on the donkey and he was going into Jerusalem and there, and all the people are coming and bowing down and worshipping and Hosanna, Hosanna, he said, they go back and the donkey goes back in the stall 
And he said, the donkey's telling all the people in the, um, all the other animals in the store, you should have seen the people worshipping me today. <laughs> they're all coming, they're bowing down and they're throwing leaves. Wow, it was amazing. Someone needs to tell that donkey. <laughs> and Bill Winston was talking about the fact, you know, when people are saying how good God is and, and how wonderful, just remember who they're actually praising. Because <laughs> otherwise, you're the donkey. And that's, you know, I thought that's a powerful point. I don't know who needs to hear that, but go home and meditate on it. But um, this is what Winston shared. God says you are royal. You need to know who you are in the family. God's family is a royal family. You call him Lord, Father, King, Exalted One, but who do you see yourself as? Well, we're God's favorites. Yes, you are my favorite, but you are not seeing yourself as a favorite the way I do. In a kingdom, there are many tiers of people in a kingdom. Do you see yourself as God's favorite peasant, farmer, favorite worker, soldier, knight? Or do you see yourself as the way I see you as my favorite son and daughter, which makes you a prince and a princess of the king? You are my favorite princes and my favorite princesses. Your position in royal family has nothing to do with your age. See yourself as the anointed, set apart, called, known by the king, famous, Wealthy, healthy, the king's family, get the best. Best robes, best ring, best food, best houses, best health, best education that leads to the best wisdom. First Peter 2.9, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him. We are God's favorites and we can speak under the authority of opening doors and declaring that there is provision, doors open that no man can shut. There's doors, God will shut a door that no man can open because the keys of David have been given into the God who is enabling us to get the job done. And we are to use that favor. See, that's why, that's why remember at the start, we don't just say, well, God loves me. Stop. Enjoy. Stop. Go around again. God loves me. No, we say, God loves me. Therefore, therefore, doors open that no man can shut. I have favor that gets me into circumstances and situations that no one can stop. I remember with Caitlin years ago, she was um, doing a course um, at um, swim. At, not swimming, sorry, a deacon. She'd started a degree and she was halfway through and she really felt to switch. This, in this lanes, it was the same degree but not, it had next, um, she was doing one that had a, um, in management, which was, was Caitlin here? No. So, she's a super kid, so um, trying to get the details right, but she was doing um, ad administration and, and management, but in the sports side, and she goes, I don't want to do the sports one. There's one that is just pure administration. That's better for me. So we said, well, I believe. I agree with you. Let's, let's transfer. Let's switch. Let's just do it. And you'll get credits, and then you can finish strong in the right one. Well, it turns out there was no pathway to do that switch. It, was just, it just didn't make sense. 
but we would ring up and they say, no, you will, the credits will not carry over. You've got to start. You cannot, you cannot, you cannot. And um, Caitlin would come to me and say, I've just spoken to someone. They said, no, there is a, there's actually no way you can do this. I said, well, I just really feel in God. We've got favor. Ring them again. So she'd ring up and because there's a number of people, she'd get someone else, go through the whole thing and they'd say exactly the same information and come back. And so I said, Caitlin, just ring again. And she says, Dad, We've rung so many times, I'm starting to get the same people. And they're starting to remember me. And it's getting a little bit like, haven't I spoken to you about this? Haven't I spoken to you? And I say, yeah, I know, but I just have this sense, you know, they're saying no, but God's saying yes. Ring them again. And, you know, I appreciate Caitlin put her faith in it, rang again. And she comes back and she says, Dad, you'll never get, you know, we're doing this. No, no. The woman's about to tell me no, and she goes, oh, hang on. She says, I've never seen this before. There's like a, a one-week opportunity that opened up for people to change. She says, I've never seen this. And she says, just this week, if you will switch over, there's a, they've made a path for you. I don't know how many people switched over, but I know one. Do you remember that, Caitlin? She's, Caitlin, when you got the switch over? Favor. That's the only way I believe that she got into that course was God's favor, just open that door. And then afterwards, just close it up again. <laughs> Just got her. Do you remember the woman's surprise? She was saying, "Yeah, she was. This is, this is weird. We're not. It is not weird. It's God's favor. That's how it works. Because, Hallelujah! You need to see yourself as royalty. You need to see yourself walking that level of authority. Hallelujah! Not to be jerky, but jerk face. God, God's God doesn't need those ones." But he does need the Eliakims, the one who is the man of the hour, that God says, this man I'm raising up, and I'm giving him the keys. He says, I'm putting the keys on the authority of David on him, and he will have the authority, whatever he says goes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't we stand? We declare. Hallelujah. 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 Why this is not just about, oh, it's amazing what God has. Remember what the promise is? God has said, so you can say. God has said, so you can say. And I say, God, I thank you that I can become your voice to open doors. How are we going to reach this community? Through your open doors. Not because of our size and our importance and our influence in the natural but because you're going to open doors. You'll get me into the places I need. You will have me accessing the, 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 the people. The, the Lord, you open doors for me to, to, for a raise at work. You open doors for me to, to connect with the right person. You open doors for me to be in the right street. How can I get that house? Favor. How can I get that? Favor. Favor. Father, I thank you. We're not just rejoicing in your love for us. We declare because you love us, you open doors for us. And we speak to those things. Why don't you just right now use your own mouth to speak and declare over what you are facing and declare, I declare, this door opens in the name of Jesus. There's a provision here in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. There's healing here. There's wholeness here. There's restoration here. There's finances here. There's freedom here. There's open doors, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.